Hey, it's Andy from Black Phillip Rides, and I am on the Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. Please listen, because it's awesome. What's happening? What's going on? Good evening to you. It is Jay Scott, and it's another episode of The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe and staying warm out there. We've had a little bit of a heat wave here in Chicago. It got up to 41 today, so that's beach weather for us. And everyone's got their shorts on, and I expect to be uh, invited to a barbecue this weekend. But nonetheless, once again, as I always do mention, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. There's something for everyone's music taste. Different types of genres are represented on Pantheon Podcast. I always mention my friends like Mistress Carrie, the great legendary DJ out in Boston. She's got a wonderful podcast on the platform, as does Martin Popoff, the rock historian. Baco from Cobras and Fire, Ron and Esty, Vinny Apice and Carmen Apice on the Hanging and Banging. I've had Ron and Carmine on the show previously. And my boys, Tom and Zeus, on the number one rated KISS podcast, Shout It Out Loudcast. So check out all those podcasts and others on Pantheon Pods. And uh, don't forget to uh, follow them on Twitter at Pantheon Pods, as well as Facebook under the same moniker. Don't forget to follow... The Hook Rocks on all podcast platforms, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or Google. We are available everywhere. Don't forget to download the app and have set it for automatic downloads so you get all the latest and greatest episodes, as well as don't forget to write us a review. We always like to hear your feedback whenever you hear an episode and if you enjoy it and where we can improve. So love to hear all of that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The Hook Rocks as well as Facebook. And don't forget to check out some of our more recent episodes. We began the year with our 2021 year-end celebration where we rated 2021's top 30 albums, but we had a lot of contributors too as well. We talked 160 different albums and EPs and almost six hours of discussion. So all you music nerds and geeks can go geek and nerd out on all the albums we talked about. And if you're looking for new music, that's probably a great place to start. We also had some wonderful new music spotlights like the Georgia Thunderbolts, Joyous Wolf, uh, The Warning, the great band from Mexico, as well as recently we had Gold Thread on, great band out of Ohio, so check them out. 
And also the recent interview with Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy uh, got picked up by Blabbermouth and seemed to be resonating with a lot of people out there too as well. And the live album review that we did of Humble Pie's Rockin' the Fillmore. Uh, so that was a great discussion with Robin the Hood, one of my favorite followers that I do have. Like I said, we do focus on new music. We have a plethora of other topics we talk about. We have a great new music spotlight for you today. Uh, a band that I was recently introduced with and just absolutely love them and totally dig them. And we're going to get into the nuts and bolts and their history here on the Hook Rocks. I'd like to welcome guitarist Cade Pickering from Naked Gypsy Queens. What's going on, Cade? How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well, man. Thank you very much for doing this. I I appreciate it. Uh, really love the band, love the music. You've got a new EP out today, so congratulations on that. Thank you. What um, you guys do, I mean, you, you said you were on your way to a gig prior to our mm-hmm. interview. Is this kind of like an EP release gig for you? Yeah, we're uh, actually playing at, uh, I forgot, uh, the Magic Bag in Detroit with our good friends, uh, Max Saturn, who also recorded at Rust Belt Studios, where we recorded our EP Georgiana. And we just felt like it would be such a fun, like little uh, celebration uh, show for the EP release as well as theirs. So Nice. Nice. Well, we always begin with the same question every time we have a first time guest. And that's really what the podcast is about is just like every rock song has a hook that pulls you in. Every rock mm-hmm. band has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was your experience? What, what, what happened to you? How, how did you become, uh, or how did you start off your rock and roll journey? Well, uh, so I grew up in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, so there wasn't a lot of music going around. Um, it was mainly just hip hop and stuff. And uh, we ended up moving to Nashville when I was 13. And uh, Christmas of 2014, so I was about I think a freshman in high school. My mom uh, got me a acoustic guitar and I didn't really know if I wanted to do it, uh, but I was like, hey, let, let me give it a shot. And at the time, I was very influenced by uh, the actor, uh, the late actor River Phoenix, who uh, played guitar. Um, and I was like, you know, if I could do a few chords like him, like I should be good. But then my girlfriend at the time, uh, she sent me the link to Smells Like Teen Spirit, uh, the music video. And I remember just watching that in my room and just seeing Kurt Cobain with his hair and his face uh, with all the kids like going crazy and the smoke everywhere. It was just like, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. As far as influences, you know, who did you start listening to on guitar when you, when you picked up your acoustic and then, uh, you know, eventually it led to the electric guitar. Well, so for the first year I had the acoustic, my uncle uh, who plays guitar really recommended to start with acoustic first since the strings are thicker, you know, than electrics. Um, So I kept that mindset and, I decided to just play only acoustic stuff, um, but I learned a lot of electric guitar songs on that acoustic. So I learned uh, like Sweet Child of Mine and Sweet Home Alabama. And I just thought I, w- I was just so excited because I always thought those riffs were cool when I was a kid. And uh, but I would say my main influences at that time were, like I said, River Phoenix, uh, Nirvana and pretty much all the grunge bands uh, from the 90s. And then my uncle got me into uh, John Mayer and he said he was a very 
cool or good blues guitarist. So I was like, huh, blues. That's interesting. I've never really thought to look into blues. And so I looked into him and I loved it. And then I looked in what his influences were, which is like Stevie Ray Vaughan, Albert King, Eric Clapton, Jimi Hendrix. And I remember one night I looked up on Google, who is the greatest guitar player in history? And then they put down, and then the first thing was Jimi Hendrix, who I had, I had no idea who that was at the time. And I listened to his single, Hey Joe, and it blew my, my mind. And so from then on there, I got into Hendrix and all those like psychedelic bands through the sixties and, you know, seventies. And then I really got into uh, the Allman brothers. Uh, that was the main uh, turning point for my uh, music career or music musical influences uh at Fillmore East was is it's still my favorite album to this day you know we we as a band have been heavily influenced by that album and a lot of our live shows really uh, we get a lot of inspiration from how they played that set what was it about that album that connected with you um I would say that that was the first time I really felt like they were playing music or it was more of an art than just music. Like when I heard Dwayne's or Dickie's solos, like my mind was just baffled because at the time I only knew, you know, grunge chords. So I, I really didn't know about like soloing. Even when we started the band, I was very, I wasn't really good uh, with soloing and stuff. I was just really into chords. And then, so the Allman brothers, that, that Fillmore East album, I, I played pretty much, 15, 20 times a day and just keep practicing like Dwayne's licks and Dickie's licks. And then I it got to the point where I could finally play the whole album just, just by itself. How far deeply did you go into the blues? You know, was it Clapton, Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, players like that? Did uh, you I, kind I of go into I, like the Chicago blues and all yeah, that stuff. So I, I, I'm the type of person that when I like something, I like to hear their influences. So with like I said with John Mayer, I looked into his influence influences, which were, you know, Stevie, Eric, and then I looked into their influences, which was like BB King, Albert King, Muddy Waters. And then I looked looked into their influence, which was like Lightning Hopkins and Robert Johnson and stuff. And that uh in my opinion is the best blues uh song or those are the best blues songs or the old Robert Johnson stuff. Cause you just can't get more haunting than a man and his guitar just singing his pain. Yeah. You know, I really, I, I love the blues, you know, growing up in Chicago, as I've mentioned before, you hear it when you're in the womb and it's kind of all yeah. around you as you're growing up. And I remember players here uh, when I was young, hearing magic Sam records and oh yeah, yeah uh, I love magic Sam. Um, Otis rush, you know, mm-hmm. who's a phenomenal player too, as well. And, even getting into like Elmore James, you know. Oh yeah, Elmore you know, James is a pretty big influence too. Which, which is he's regarded as like king of the slide. He just got a, such a mm-hmm. masterful take on on that. And you know, obviously, Buddy Guy was was huge too as well. You know, I mean, I've yeah. always said no one bends a string like Buddy Guy. I mean, he just you know, well, and he so, has that bar there too, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, it's a tremendous bar. It's really cool. You know, I've seen yeah, a lot I haven't of been there, but these. I really yeah. want to go. Yeah, you know the blues. Bars and clubs in Chicago used to be really prevalent in the 70s and early 80s, and there's not too many around anymore, which is sad, actually. But, you know, Buddy still got his stuff, and he still plays out a lot, and he kind of brings a lot of the new guys out, too, as well. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I know he does a lot of work with um, 
uh, Samantha Fish or has played with Samantha Fish, who's a great blues player, as well as Johnny Lang. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he does a lot with and, him. And uh, Quinn well. Sullivan, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. But, man, I mean, he's I mean, he's got to be in his 80s now. And yeah, um, he's getting, it's getting out there. He's still, he, I mean, he's still a wonderful player. I mean, you know, every time I see him perform in Chicago, I always, I, I gotta go again. I gotta go because it, it may mm-hmm. not be, you know, he may not be around for much longer. So it's always like, even though I've seen him several times, yeah, you know, you just still want that, that moment again, because he just still, I mean, can play like, like nobody. And, and he's, yeah, he's one of the originals. Yeah. And when you hear like, you know, Jagger and Richards talk about Buddy Guy and you hear Jimmy Page talk about him and Clapton and Jeff Beck, you mm-hmm. know, like that was the dude back then. Like, you know, every, yeah. you know, people talk about Hendrix and, and those are, I mean, great players, but all those guys in, in their conversations and their interviews back then and now always mention Buddy Guy and yeah. how it was important for them to pay tribute to him you know whenever they were doing stuff and you hear some of the old zeppelin bootlegs that they have where they're playing all the blues numbers and you know hendrix and i mean if you've ever heard uh buddy guy's version of red house yeah it's yeah it's just it's breathtaking yeah i love red house that song is so good (laughs) yes it is yeah so how you know when you heard you know obviously started out with the acoustic and then went into grunge and then the blues really kind of opened your eyes you know how did you kind of meld both influences together um well so with blues it that definitely helped my uh timing and as well as soloing and just really feeling the actual music rather than just playing um and so for grunge though it was all about melody i i find that Grunge had a very, especially Nirvana, they had a great uh, sense of melody and like almost kind of pop. Like, you know, it just, when you hear a Nirvana song, you just can't help but sing along with it. And that goes back to when I was a kid because my parents always had the top 40 uh, radio stations on. And, um, you know, I would just constantly, when I was a kid, just hear all these pop songs like Bruno Mars or uh, Lady Gaga or whatever. But, you know, those, those type of, songs are very catchy and I think I've always kept that in me so whenever we write I I really make sure that we try and have the best melody and the most the catchiest melody we can get out of that song yeah it it's really is you know amazing how you can merge that stuff you know because blues is great for timing and you know when you think of the melodies and the grunge era and even before that too as well I mean to kind of merge that stuff it's always nice to hear people's take on it um mm. In my opinion, one of the best guitar players for timing was Eddie Van Halen, you know, being able to go from rhythm to lead, you know, or, you know, to a solo back into rhythm without even, you know, missing a beat. And I think a lot of that's attributed to he'd start out as a drummer um, and he also was a classically trained piano player, too, as well. So I think that mm-hmm. helped him, too. But when you listen to some of those old Van Halen records and you hear it, you know, it's done on one take where he's basically playing a single line. And, uh, um, no, it's fine. That's just funny. Uh, he's basically playing a single line and then playing the rhythm, then the lead and the solo and right back into it. And it's just, Mm -hmm. um, it's amazing how, you know, those guys heard something that made them want to play, whether it's Eddie, whether it's Stevie Ray Vaughan, Hendrix, buddy guy, the guys we're talking about and what their different approach was to the instrument. 
Uh, I always mm-hmm. find that fascinating when you look at the players because there's only a certain number of notes, right? And there's only, yeah, you know, a certain number of riffs you can play and, and the way you play it. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't think anything's been, you know, no new, you know, chord has been discovered, you know, so yeah, it's, it's basically it's, it's hard to come up with something original. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's always nice to hear that different approach to mm-hmm. the instrument and how they play it, you know, because you have to ask yourself, like, how do they develop that tone? What was, how do they find that sound or hear that sound in their head that they wanted to, to hear emulate that they wanted to play? So, yeah, I, I think it's a great instrument. It's a very, um, you know, outside of rock, mostly it's maybe country too, as well. And blues, you know, it's kind of a forgotten instrument in a lot of, uh, you know, especially pop music today. I don't think there's any pop music with a guitar in it. No, <laughs> it's sad for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So as you kind of moved on, you know, and started to play and started to get out, when, when, when was the, you know, when did the idea come in your head that you wanted to be in a band? When I watched that, uh, so there's two times, uh, it was one that, uh, smells like teen spirit video. And then I remember I was taking some school tests and I just downloaded the velvet underground and Nico album. And I remember after the test, I put my headphones in and this was before AirPods. So it was like the little wired ones. And I remember playing that album and I was like, yes, this rocks. <laughs> and that's when I knew for sure that I wanted to be in a band. Was it for you playing with friends? You know, obviously when you're younger in your high school, you're playing, but was the vision always to keep building and keep growing and one day be on a stage you know, not playing cover tunes, playing original songs. Was that from the very beginning or did that evolve over time too as well? I would say that it, uh, that was from the beginning, you know, it just so happened that the people I found uh, to be in the band with were my best friends. So it kind of just worked both ways and we all had the same vision. We all wanted to be on the stage and just rock out. So how did you find yourself in Naked Gypsy Queens? Well, so at the time when I was a freshman in high school, I was, like I said, I was dating this one girl who I'm still really good friends with, but she had a child, like she's had a friendship, like childhood friendship with Chris, our lead singer, since they were like seven or eight. And I remember I was in, in the, at the mall, uh, right in Cool Springs in Tennessee, and we were getting, uh, sorry, this cat. Uh, but we were, I was shopping with my mom and then we walked past, or we walked into Zoomies and Chris was there and he was with all his friends and he was like, are you paradise floral? Which was my Instagram name at the time. And I was like, yeah. And then he kind of just said like, I know uh, your girlfriend and all this. And he's like, you're a cool guitar player. I've seen your stuff. So I was like, cool. And then a few months later, um, you know, we, we said our goodbyes after that. And a few months later, I saw him at a high school football game and we just started talking and I thought he, he was the coolest dude I've ever met. So, and I, at the time I didn't have much, any friends, so it was just exciting to finally have a friend that can share, I can share this music passion with. And then, um, so after that, uh, he was in a band called uh, the red bands at the time and that had landon our drummer and then another singer and they were just a trio kind of like a tame impala like a tame and Impa- tame impala vibe 
because they were really into the psych, like psychedelic, um, like the psychedelic uh, scene at that point. And then I, I came in and I tried out and Landon, our drummer was like, you're not ready to be in this band. <laughs> so I took that to heart and I uh, went home and uh, that's when I first heard the Almond Brothers. And that's when I knew, I think if I studied these guys, I can be in a band with them. And then I ended up going to uh, Chris and Landon's school. I ended up transferring and there's our bass player, Bo, he was there. He was a great uh, below us and they were jamming uh, down. There's a little studio down in the basement. We had like an audio room and yeah, they, he wanted to be in the band as well. And then we all just kind of jammed. And I think Chris really wanted me in a band. So he really stuck up for me because he, we, at the time we were like, you know, this, we were very close and I mean, we still are, but so he, he really tried to get everyone on board with me playing in that band and it ended up happening. I finally worked and got to where I could play in the band. And I was just a rhythm guitar player. And then Bo ended up joining the band. And then a few months later, uh, Chris and I left because we really weren't into the psychedelic scene anymore. Uh, we feel like we felt like it was getting dated. And so I was like, hey, Chris, you should check out uh, these blues guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan and Robert Johnson and Lightning Hopkins. And he's like, yeah, I will. And then when he heard it, he was like, dude, we got to do that. So we just started jamming, just me and him. He was on drums. I was on guitar. And we were just jamming on like Voodoo Child and Little Wing. And uh, we were like, yeah, we need to get this band going. So we ended up calling Landon and Bo. And we're like, hey, do you want to be in this band? And they're like, yeah. And so they ended up leaving that band and then joining us. Well, you know, that's when pretty much how it started. When there's that excitement you know, of starting something new, you know, was the direction of the band always to be a blues based band or did that develop as you added more, more people, or did you try to find people that kind of had that same vision? Well, yeah. So we always wanted to be a blues band. Um, that was Chris and I's main thing. We wanted to be the blues band. Cause like at the time in 2015, 2016, there was no blues bands around like, like Greta Van Fleet weren't even around yet. So at the time it was just straight up hip hop all the time and pop. And you know, we were like, man, we could bring the blues back or, you know, and yeah. And then as we just kept going, we, we found that the blues were really our style. You know, you know, you talk about starting a blues band and, and obviously, you know, music has evolved. Rock music has evolved over time. And it's amazing how many new bands that are out there um, are very blues based. Um, mm-hmm. and it's also amazing equally how they all sound differently. Um, mm-hmm. again, it's that interpretation. It's that approach, you know, whether you think of it, you know, like a dirty honey type band or, you know, uh, you know, Greta Van Fleet, um, you know, and there's others too, as well. It's, um, it's really cool that that style is coming back regardless of what some of the current mainstream rock artists say, you know, where I've heard quotes, I think it was the, um, I think it was the Strokes when they won the Grammy a couple of years ago that blues is tired. You know, we need to retire blues based rock. And, um, you know, for someone to say that and, and to be up there accepting the rock award, rock doesn't exist without the blues. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a major component in it. So it's nice that there, as, as there's a resurgence with resurgence with rock music, it's nice that a lot of that resurgence is blues based because I think, 
it is a forgotten art in some cases, and I think it's become very yeah, underappreciated. Um, definitely. So being in Nashville, guys starting a band, you know, um, obviously Nashville is called Music City, and it's regarded mm-hmm. with a lot of country and western. But uh, as I've come to learn over the last few years, the rock scene is very thriving in Nashville. There's a lot of great mm-hmm. new rock bands. There's a lot of musicians who have moved from L.A. into Nashville. Um, mm-hmm. And it just seems like the rock scene keeps growing every year with new bands, whether it's the Dead Deads or whether it's True Villains or other bands, too, that are uh, part of that scene. You know, how does that feel for you, you know, coming into, you know, what's largely a, a country Western or thought of to be country Western and doing rock music? Um, I think it's fun. I mean, every time I walk down Broadway, you know, it's same, just like country and singer songwriter stuff. And which I, I love that kind of stuff, but you know, it's, it's just been done a lot. <laughs> like, like that's what Nashville's known for, you know, like you said. And I just, I think I had the, we had the goal in mind to just let's, let's uh, try and do this rock thing in Nashville. But, you know, at the time we couldn't even play it in Nashville because we weren't 18. So the bars wouldn't let us play. So we, we had to stick to Franklin, uh, which is our home base, which is where um, we would do most shows um, because, you know, like I said, we weren't 18 and Franklin was a little bit more lenient on us playing shows than Nashville. Nashville was very strict. As you started to kind of get more involved in the scene, you know, from what I've heard, especially people who have lived in both areas, LA and and Nashville, um, there's more of a supportive community in Nashville, you know, whereas Mm -hmm. LA is a little bit more cutthroat. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a little bit more um, industry driven, whereas Nashville is more, musician driven and mm-hmm. a lot of people support each other um in those in, in nashville uh always looking to help out you know if they need to write a song there's people that are available to write a song or play on your your album or if they want you to play on an album do you do you agree with that uh yes and no there there are there are those people that you know really only want to do their own thing which is completely fine um but that, yeah there i mean i've met a lot of people here that would that constantly ask if I can help write with the song or go into the studio and lay down a guitar track and stuff. So yeah, it's definitely, I think it's definitely both ways for sure. I've, uh, I remember hearing the story. I think it was um, the singer from true villains who I've had on who made, you know, kind of light of the fact that there's a lot of the rock musicians play in these country bands to back up an artist on the weekends and that's where a lot of the musicians find each other because a lot of them are, are, are rock guys playing trying to get their band going but to make some money they play you know bass or guitar or drums to back up a country artist who's you know on broadway and second avenue um yeah so that's always an interesting element too and i think it helps build that community especially when that's happening because everybody starts to learn to know each other yeah absolutely you know, that's why it was really hard getting our name out there for those first few years, because, you know, most bars wouldn't let 21 year olds in, or people under 21, let alone under 18. So it was very hard for us to, you know, make those uh, contacts and communicate with other bands because um, they're much older than us. But 
as we turn 21, you know, we're, but, you know, by the time we turn 21, you know, we're everywhere in the U S so we've, we've rarely played on Broadway because it's just so hectic. Well, I mean, there's, yeah, but there's a lot of rock places though, too. You know, I mean, there's a lot of places. Oh yeah. There's the, like we played at the East room, uh, the end. Um, sorry, I'm trying to let this cat out. Um, we played at the East room and, uh, mercy lounge. Those are all great venues. Yeah. Mercy lounge. Um, I've had Amy Darling on, um, who's a Nashville artist and she plays there a lot too, as well. I've seen some of the live footage for her and um, I think Tuck Smith's done a few gigs there too, as well. He used to be in a band called the biters, which is a great band. They were LA based and he came out to uh, he's now um, regrouped in Nashville. So it's really great. I, I, I you know, probably going to get down to Nashville at least a couple times this year. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to checking some places out and, and doing, uh, doing some shows or seeing some shows with, with some of the you know artists that I've interviewed on here. So looking forward to it. Yeah, as far if you as like pizza, check out Two Boots. Two Boots Pizza? Two Boots Pizza, yeah. All right. It's, it's very it's, good. I mean, Chicago's got good pizza. So I love Chicago pizza. I mean, I'm from uh, Kankakee, Illinois. So Oh, awesome. Okay, great. Yes. So, okay, like, so, uh, so, so, so you recommending Two Boots does hold some weight then, because you know what uh, Chicago pizza is. So I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, is New York style, though. It is? So it's kind of like, yeah. it's like, it's like real paper thin? Yeah. But it's yeah. good. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Um, nice. As far as the band goes, you know, starting the band, figuring out the direction, figuring out the sound of the band, and now you have this EP come out. Mm-hmm. What is the creative process for Naked Gypsy Queens? Well, uh, so when we recorded that EP, uh, we really wanted to do kind of a live sort of feel because uh, our biggest uh, part as a band our biggest like thing as a band is to make sure that the audience or the fans have the best live show experience that one they can never forget. And we try to do that each night. So we wanted to put that down in the studio and our producers helped that out so much. I mean, we wrote all the songs before we went, um, but you know, some people they write songs right when they're in the studio. So it all just kind of, it, uh, it just, makes uh sorry i'm trying to think of the word it's it all just comes down to whatever we're feeling you know if we're uh if we have parts of the song that we like we're, we'll cut that and then if we have other parts in the studio that we want to add in later that we can hear in our voice or hear in our head then we'll we'll do that but uh as of right now we're really into uh like albums as a just a whole album like pet sounds or uh uh, the smile sessions or uh, to pimp a butterfly by Kendrick. Like those are really big influences for us right now. And uh, we really want to be, uh, we re- for this next album, we're really wanting to uh, show our creative process in the studio rather than just a live take. When you're, you know, developing your sound, you're recording the music and um, you know, you're, you, you're constantly being influenced by, by current artists as well. Um, you know, how does that factor in with, with songwriting? How does that factor in with the approach of the album? I imagine a lot of these songs that you've had are songs that you have been playing, right? That's always the, the kind of the, the, 
the thing with a new band, you know, their first EP, mm-hmm. their first album are, are songs they've been playing, you know, for, for a couple of years and, and they've kind of ironed out all those kinks or made some changes that they felt made the song better. And then they go mm-hmm. back and record their second album and they've got to find that magic again. So how do you yeah. balance that with, you know, what's happening inside Naked Gypsy Queens and also what you're being influenced and in moving forward? Um, so I would say for this, for that last EP, you know, we were really influenced by, uh, like I said, the Almond Brothers, the Black Crows, um, and Jeff Buckley, um, as well as some Fleetwood Mac too. And but for this record, and part, or for the next record, we we plan on our big like influences. Like I said, were the, the Beach Boys and the Beatles, and uh, those '90s hip hop artists. So knowing me, I when I write for the uh, when we write for the band, you know, I really try and make sure that we get that melody down and, and we can add harmonies and different sounds and stuff just to make the whole record sound beautiful. The EP was released today. Um, obviously there's, there's plenty of excitement. How long did it record? How long did it take to record this? It took about, uh, five days. Okay. I think we did, uh, two, two days of full backing band. Uh, recording and then the third and fourth day were guitar overdubs and then the last day was vocals when was this recorded this was recorded in october of 2019 it was originally wow. supposed to be released in march of 2020 but you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh that's a long time i mean uh yeah I, well i mean it, it's kind of normal for now because i talked to you know a lot of artists on this show and and yeah it's either 2019 2020 when the stuff was recorded how do you stay connected to music that's been recorded two and a half years prior to its to its release um well you know during that time like when covid first started you know we couldn't play shows so we had a, a huge break from playing those shows so if we would have kept playing them like if covid didn't happen if we kept playing them I, th- I feel like definitely we would have been annoyed <laughs> or not annoyed, but just like, you know, this is, you know, we keep playing these songs and stuff, but I, I mean, from what we have now, like we, we love playing those songs still and we love the energy that the fans give us and we give them. As far as the subject matter of the songs go, you know, I mean, are they more personal songs? Are they more observation? You know, where do you guys, get motivated with the lyrics when you're creating a song? Yeah. So uh, Chris usually writes the lyrics. Um, I would bring him and I would either bring a guitar part to each other and then we'll work it out together and then we'll bring it to the band. I know for uh, the lyrics, uh, Chris is a very, he's a great lyricist for, uh, and I don't know how to explain it. He's, he's just such a good lyricist, but um, for Georgiana, that that song in particular was inspired by the town in Georgiana, and it was uh, there was a bridge there that people in the seventies used to do or used to hang out at. And then after, so for Georgiana, we wrote about a bridge. <laughs> for Down to the Devil, it's about sex. Um, Strawberry Blonde. I don't think I think Chris just kind of wrote those random uh wrote random lyrics um and then he just put them together on the subway train in new york 
And that song in particular is inspired by <clears throat> a Nick Drake tuning. Um, and we just started jamming on that. And that's how that came about. And Wolves was about uh, millennials, uh, like our parents and stuff. And then New York, I think, is, is about a girl. As far as the music goes in, in the EP, how are you guys rolling this out? You mentioned you had a gig tonight in mm-hmm. Michigan and, mm-hmm. you know, in Detroit or outside of Detroit. What's next? In term- yeah. Yeah. What's next oh, in, term- in terms of, of playing? Uh, so we actually just got a uh, confirmation that we're opening up for Dirty Honey on uh, April 5th in Huntsville. Um. And then we're, I think we're trying to get with uh, Blackstone Cherry as well in uh, March. And then I think we're trying to hit Europe as well in September. That's fantastic. Dirty Honey is a fantastic band. Um, I've had, um, I've had John on a couple times, uh, as well. John just writes incredible riffs. Um, I mean, the, the new album that they put out is just filled with them. And then, of course, Mark, a uh, great singer. But is that just a one-off gig for you guys with them? Yeah, from what I know so far, yeah. And then Blackstone Cherry, is that going to be a tour with them? or? Uh, I don't know about a tour, but I think it, we're playing a few shows with them or opening. Okay. Yeah, because they, they came through Chicago with Georgia Thunderbolts and Jared James Nichols. Uh, Did you go to that? I... Did not because I was I've seen Blackstone Cherry before with Tyler Bryant Mm -hmm. and uh, I was going to go see Jerry James Nichols and Georgia Thunderbolts by themselves because I couldn't go on the night they were playing with Blackstone Cherry and then Jerry James Nichols ended up breaking his arm. So they had to cancel the show. So hopefully they reschedule at some point. I love, you know, all three artists. Um, Fantastic. But those are those are some good spots, man, for. For right now, a band that's kind of building their audience to, you know, to play with Blackstone Cherry, to play with Dirty Honey. Um, those are fantastic. I know, gosh, there's plenty of, I mean, I was just talking with Tyler Baker from Goodbye June the other night. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they've got their new album coming out in a couple of weeks. Tyler's a great guy. Uh, the whole band, you know, is, is excited about their new album. So there's a lot going on in Nashville and bands that are, that are happening there. So it's a great place to be. And those uh, artists that you're opening up with you know, are kind of part of what you are in that blues based rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It does it kind of, you know, obviously there's, there's the excitement of, of releasing the album. Um, you know, you've had this album for two and a half years. Is there also a sense of relief when, you know, that this is out that, Hey, you know what? We've been sitting on this for so long. It's now finally here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's total sense of relief for sure. Do you, do you feel like, as a band, I mean, I'm sure you've been recording new music too as well in that span, but there's also the ability to move forward as a band, right? And it's hard to move forward when you've got this material and you're just waiting on it. Is there, you know, is there, you know, there's a sense of relief of releasing the album, but there also has to be, you know, a sense of, wow, we can finally move forward now. You know, like, like yeah, now, like you know, the, the chains are off and, and, and now we can, open for dirty honey and play with blackstone cherry go up to michigan play a gig and now you know the possibilities are endless where it was more confined for a while mm-hmm. yeah for sure what it um, feels good releasing it yeah yeah i can imagine um you know as far as this year too as well you know when you mentioned europe and stuff and and uh you know, you're thinking back of this whole process where you know did 
did you feel like once this was released that things were going to come quickly? Because the material is good. I mean, I've listened to the EP. It's fantastic. Did you feel you. that it was, this is going to be, you know, this is going to help us kind of get lift off? Or was there still a sense of unknown for you guys? I think we we kind of knew that it was, I mean, we all love the EP. We're, we're very proud of it. Um, I mean, we were 19 when we recorded that. So I thought, I think as, you know, 18 or 19 year olds, and it's it's we were we were pretty happy with how it turned out um but yeah definitely too like we can finally move forward like you know this ep was two years ago and we're really not the same band that we were two years ago you know we've evolved and we've had uh new influences and this next album is you know heavily inspired by uh big stars number one record and uh oasis uh what's the story morning glory and, uh, you know, to Pimp a Butterfly and uh, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And we just really want to do a, ni- a good album, you know. Big Star. That's a, a, a band that not too many people mention, uh, but fantastic, fantastic oh, yeah, they're, band. They're yeah. perfect. They're a perfect band. You know, I know it's, it's, uh, it's hard to kind of look towards the future when today in the now this EP is out. But, mm-hmm. you know, with the experience and with the, the situation that everyone's experienced in, in music over the last couple of years, what is your plan for releasing new music? Are you guys just going to ride this out for a bit? And then, you know, is the other album already finished? Uh, well, yeah, we pretty we got uh, about 20 songs that we've written for this next album. But I think we're going to try and get 10 to 12 on it. Um. But yeah, I think we're just planning on writing this out for at least this this whole year of 22 and playing a few new songs off the new album for shows. But we're definitely playing all the EP songs. What excites you most about this year and the music that's uh, been released today and the music that's coming? Uh, like excited for uh, us as a band or just yes. music, like new music? Yeah. Both. So yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say I'm very excited. Uh just to be touring again, you know, we, we were kind of getting up there. We were when we, in, in the summer of 2019, like we were going to New York, going to Chicago, um, Alabama and stuff. So we were, we were finally like, you know, starting to tour. And then all of a sudden, you know, we got put on hold because of COVID and yeah, I'm just, I, all of us are just excited to get out of Nashville and just go play everywhere. And as we close here, there's a sense of, of the rock scene emerging over the last few years. You know, you, we talk mm-hmm. about some of the bands like Greta Van Fleet and the Struts. Now you can, you know, include bands like Dirty Honey in there mm-hmm. too as well. And a band like The Warning. Um, how does it feel to finally be part of that conversation? Because, you know, sitting on an album for two and a half years you know how good it is, but you're still, you know, you're still kind of waiting in the wings for, for people to recognize and people to find out who you are. What does that feel like now that, you know, when people talk about new rock, they'll start talking about your band and the music on the new EP. Oh, it feels great. It it feels like kind of a weight lifted off our shoulders, I should say, but yeah, just, just to be, in the same category as the, all those rock bands. It's just, 
it's just an, an amazing thing that, you know, we've worked so hard to get to. And I think, you know, I think we worked hard to get it. And I'm glad that it's finally starting to uh, be played and heard by everyone. Kate, it's been a blast talking with you about uh, the background in H- make the Gypsy Queens and the new music. Yeah, it's been great talking to you. All right, everybody. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. My guest today is Cade from Naked Gypsy Queens. Get their EP on all streaming platforms and uh, hopefully at a venue near you. Uh, some of the exciting things that uh, he's talked about. Hopefully there's more and more of that this year. Take care of everybody or take care of everyone. Take care of each other. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay strong. And we will talk again soon. Thanks.